Hello and welcome to the Retail Influencer by 27 Retail. Sustainability is one of the major concerns in retail today. But to truly do something about it, manufacturers and retailers should measure their impact with the best precision possible. Inoco is a company who offers impact assessments for all food and beverage products so you can make informed decisions to create a more sustainable business module. To talk about the concept, my guest is Marcus Linder, founder of Inoco, who comes to explain why product assessment is necessary, but also useful to take better informed decisions. Here's our chat. Hello, Marcus, and welcome to the show. Hello, Vincent. Really a pleasure to be your guest today. Uh, we are going to talk about some uh, interesting topic today because it's about product assessment. Um, your company, Inoco, enables uh, grocery retailers and, and F&B brands to assess and reduce their impact of the, their products on nature. Now, we have seen grocery retailers and, and brands uh, introducing and pushing vegan, organic, uh, local products uh, as there is a market for that. But do you really see them taking the next step and taking action with regards to the overall impact of their products? Yeah, very good question. Uh, we absolutely do. So uh, grocery retailers and food and beverage brands really have a major challenge ahead of them. So you need to know that they are basically responsible for uh, production and distribution of products that cause 34% of the global greenhouse gas emissions and about 70% of the biodiversity loss on land. So they have a huge, 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 huge uh, impact on our future, basically. And um, what makes it really uh, tricky for grocery retailers is that um, more than 70% of the impact comes from their supply chain upstream. So it's completely beyond uh, outside of their own control of the retailers. And um, yeah, we're not even talking yet about the impact that the food has on our health and similar topics. So basically what's happening is that uh, companies are really getting increasingly under pressure by regulators, by investors, by the customers, by the NGOs. Um, and as if, as if that wasn't enough, they're also really uh, struggling to acquire the talent they need to thrive in the current market conditions because the Gen Zs, so the young generation, uh, increasingly wants to work for a company that's part of the solution instead of working for an organization that's part of the problem. Obviously. So it's only natural that those grocery retailers and brands are really increasingly committed to uh, setting ambitious sustainability targets. So we see more and more of them joining, for example, the science-based target initiative, where they commit to year over year reduce their uh, carbon emissions, um, which obviously includes to a very large extent their scope three emissions, which are the emissions that come from their uh, from, from their products, as well as really committing to goals about deforestation, social goals, and much more. So there is a lot of pressure on them, and that's why they're really uh, acting and starting to act here. Okay, well, the the, the grocery retailers, can, can they really make progress on these different impact dimensions? So what, what, what can they do, basically? And how do you, where do you come in in that equation as, as mm -hmm. Inoco, as a company? Yeah, good question. I mean, it 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 really sounds, you know, if you look at it, it sounds overwhelming. Yeah, it but, does because uh, it's you know uh, it's a huge, huge, huge task uh, which they have ahead of them. But it's also a huge opportunity. So, to make progress on these goals, companies basically really have to uh, reduce on the one hand their food waste, and they are already you know uh, tackling this challenge uh, at the moment. But they also need to pull uh, three more key levers. And these key levers basically are, first of all, 
to work with the suppliers um, of their private label brand uh, to make sure that they step-by-step -step reduce the impact on the environment. They need to work with their A-brand partners to reduce the impact of their third-party brand products. And the third big lever is that they need to address behavioral change and support their own customers' interest in transitioning towards a more sustainable and healthier nutrition. Only if those three levers are really pulled, they have uh, good chances to really fulfill their aggressive, uh, achieve their aggressive goals. And basically what we do at Inoco is we're developing a software as a service platform that enables them to exactly do that at scale for their thousands and hundreds and, and tens of thousands of products. Um, so the way it works is basically our platform enables them to, first of all, assess the impact of these tens of thousands of products on eight impact dimensions. So we include here climate, animal welfare, uh, social, nutrition, as well as other dimensions. And what's really unique about our platform is that we can provide um, basic assessment of products purely based on the public data the grocery retailers already have today. So we use uh, realistic, pessimistic assumptions for that. Um, and you know we are able purely based on the ingredients, on the nutritional values, on the labels to come up with a pretty good um, realistic, pessimistic assumption of, for example, the carbon footprint uh, or the animal welfare impact of the product, the social impact of the product, um, while at the same time enabling producers to then provide us with additional data, non-public data about their products, which then um, in 90% of the cases uh, make will make their product basically um, you know, better or rate uh, increase their rating because the more data they give us, the more we can replace those realistic pessimistic pessimistic assumptions by the real data and thereby we also have a strong incentive built in for um, the suppliers upstream to provide us with more data uh, because the more data they provide the higher the chances that the performance of their product on these different dimensions will improve so the second um, uh, dimension after assessing the products um, for, for uh, retailers is usually to start communicating the impact of the products to their consumers, for example, front of the pack, um, as well as through their digital channels. So that you as a consumer are able to make more informed decisions. Um, what we do here is we provide a multidimensional product impact label, which rates products from A to E on climate, on animal welfare, on social, on nutrition, and other dimensions. And the top three dimensions, um, retailers can then put you know, on a front of pack label to give uh, consumers a quick guidance together with a QR code that then leads to the product detail page of the retailer or the brand, whoever is our customer. And on the product detail page, they can find um, the in-depth rating of the product across those eight dimensions, as well as uh, interesting impact insights. So these are basically um, qualitative descriptions of the impact of um, products. So you would find their information, like how much space did the chicken have that you're about to buy? Did it ever see the daylight? Um, did it, was it fed with antibiotics in a preemptive okay. way? Was it fed, you know, with soy originating from the Amazon rainforest? Um, yeah, so that's basically the second step. So assess, first step, communicate, the second step. And the third step uh, where we support uh, grocery retailers with is to really engage with their consumers around the topic of sustainability and healthier choices. Because 
um, let's face it, um, to really change the behavior of consumers, it's simply not enough to just provide them with data and push more and more data in front of them. As a retailer, you really need to leverage content, nudging, gamification to really drive behavioral change of your consumers. And um, yeah, here we're talking about initiatives like, for example, praising consumers for taking more climate-friendly choices. So printing something onto the um, a cash receipt, for example, hey, well done, this was very friend climate-friendly or very animal-friendly or very okay. uh, healthy purchase. Offering them with content, uh, gamification challenges, like, hey, why don't you try out two plant-based milk alternatives this month? and see if you like them. If you try them out, we are going to reward you with points or with uh, you know, vouchers for other sustainable products and much more. So that's step three. You really need to engage with your consumers um, and help them to motivate them to, to move into this direction of healthier and more sustainable choices. And last but not least, um, the fourth step that um, we support grocery retailers as well as food and beverage brands with, with our platform, is to not only understand the impact of their products, but to also optimize them. So to, for example, we are at our software is identifying hotspots. So what are the key drivers within the product in terms of the processes, in terms of the ingredients that really contribute to the high uh, emissions cost by that product, for example. And then our software recommends steps which they can take in cooperation with their suppliers to really lower the impact of their product. For example, by simply switching to um, deforestation-free ingredients or to source ingredients from a different country where you have a lower risk of deforestation, which we need to factor in from a carbon perspective. Um, and this is really the fourth very important uh, step, which um, is frequently underestimated by grocery retailers today. Because um, it really, you can really, in a cost neutral way, frequently really lower the emissions of products by already 30%. Um, if you work alongside with your suppliers and provide some incentives for them um, to really yeah, uh, make progress on that end. Okay, so so in a nutshell, what, what I, I get from all of this is that it's not just the retailer that we have to look at. The retailer looks at himself, but also we look at his supplier and, and his consumer and needs to help them in, in that in that uh, assessment and in that journey of, of improvement in a way, yeah, which is necessary. That, and, that's, so, that's so critical because ultimately, uh, as mentioned earlier, you know, uh, 70, 80, sometimes 90% of the emissions happen upstream. Um, at the producers because the ballpark of the emissions really originates from the products themselves. So what we as consumers frequently have on top of mind, like transport, like packaging, like, um, you know, the retail stage, these are all kind of peanuts in comparison to the emissions that the products are causing. And the only way for retailers to lower the emissions is to really um, build a kind of digital twin of their products, understand where do the ingredients come from, what production method methods have been used. Um, and then on the one hand, you know, communicate it to consumers, use the data to engage with the consumers, and also ultimately optimize the products um, in cooperation with their suppliers. And uh, yeah, that's a big field that's opening up here with uh, huge opportunities um, Yeah, for, for, for the food and beverage industry. 
but as as you mentioned, it is a, a huge field and it is quite quite it can be overwhelming. Uh, can you really truly measure everything? Because we always talk about oh CO2 emissions, CO2 emissions, CO2 emissions. Mm-hmm. But you seem to mention that there's way much more that we can do uh, as consumers, as suppliers, as retailers. Uh, can can you really measure a lot then? Yeah, you can measure a lot, but obviously everything we measure has a certain degree of, you know, there are certain uncertainties built in because we're not at the point where every farmer is, you know, measuring every year the amount yeah. of carbon they have put back into the ground um, and so on. So we're not talking about 100% accuracy, but that's not necessary. So um, the, the, the way how we can measure, for example, the carbon footprint of products today is definitely good enough to help producers to, to make products, you know, to, to make products more sustainable and to help consumers to take more sustainable choices. We are definitely, I mean, think about bookkeeping. If you um, ask two different um, tax advisors to, um, you know, to your financial statement, probably you will get two different results because, you know, the one tax advisor would maybe treat one topic a little bit different than the other. But overall, uh, despite those little, you know, uh, inaccuracies, uh, we can trust the result, uh, and 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 we trust we have to trust the result, and it's very similar when it comes to CO two, and it's also similar when it comes to measuring the animal welfare um, impact, where we rely on, you know, standards, labels, legal minimum standards in the country of production to get a good feeling of what are the what is the impact on animal welfare. Um, the same is true for social risk, uh, where there's lots of data out there that we are leveraging. And obviously, none of these dimensions is perfect. Um, and all of these dimensions are continuously, you know, the methodologies behind them are continuously improved by us. Um, as, as the basically scientific evidence evolves, and the more we know about these things, the better we can measure and the more accurate we can measure. And that's a journey that's going to take us, um, you know, many, many years to come. But I think a key message is um, we are there. Uh, we are at a point where we have to, where we can start and where we have to start, where we need to get those things moving. We will improve over time. Um, and although it might sound overwhelming, um, you can start doing that in simple little steps. So you can ch- simply start with um, a focus on CO2 uh, and maybe, you know, then step-by-step at you know, even start with estimates purely based on the public data that already gives you um, a good foundation to basically drive uh, decisions in terms of how you promote products, how you communicate with your consumers uh, and so on. Then you can take the next step and take the um, data about your private label brands that you already have in your databases into account with our solution, which is like the country of origin, the, the composition of products, um, which gives you the next level of accuracy. And then you can take the next step whereby we really engage with your um, third-party uh, suppliers of your white label brand products uh, to really then gather additional data like, hey, what's your energy mix at your production site? Or do you use, uh, you know, which, which, um, which do you use deforestation-free uh, suppliers for ingredient A, B, C? So it's, it's like a journey and um, you can start in, um, uh, small steps, you will immediately see a positive impact because you can use that data internally for your decision making. You can use that data um, to already start communicating to consumers and you can really see and make progress over time. 
Okay, but but then as as a, a manufacturer or a, or a retailer, because I understand that you you your your application and your your work is fed with all the data that you can find, the open data, mm -hmm. the public data, mm -hmm. but then also their own data of, mm -hmm. of manufacturers and, and retailers. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to put myself in their position, mm -hmm. uh, and this comes uh, maybe a naughty question. Is it mm -hmm. easy for them to accept that when they get their first assessment, mm -hmm. perhaps their score is not so good or not very positive for them? Is it easy for them to accept that? Or, I mean, I think it's it's not the first. The good news is it's not the first time that it's happening. Uh, you just need to look at the Nutri-Score, for example, where um, you know lots of brands decided to start adding the Nutri-Score to the products despite the fact that their products are being rated as red, for example, from a nutritional perspective. Uh, so the good news is mm, there is already, you know, it, it's already it's already kind of um, learned that the world is not going to go down immediately just because you are more transparent and open about the products. And um, what uh, studies have shown is that actually companies who are openly also communicating their weaknesses, but at the same time communicating what they're doing to make improvements here down the road, are much more trusted by consumers than brands who do not share any, any data at all. Um, obviously, what we see is um, that, you know, some brands are kind of um, have reservations and are not too happy about especially being initially rated by their grocery retail partners on um, based on those purely based on the public data. But at the same time, um, you know, our customers operate on a... a um, kind of plain level playing field and allow and, and, and invite their third, their e-brand partners to also have their products uh, assessed by us uh, by taking their data into account. So all they need to do is they need to be more transparent with us. We can obviously keep that data and not uh, forward it to the, not give the grocery retailer access. And then they can improve their products over time and we give them the means to step-by-step to step improve their products. And if you look at, at, at supermarket shelves, a very large degree of product is not really sustainable yet at the moment. So nobody out there is alone. There's lots and lots of brands out there that have issues with regards to their products. And um, in the mid to long term, those will win who basically really um, tackle the challenge now, who um, start early and who can really work on establishing a competitive advantage by being more transparent and by step-by-step by step tackling the challenges which they have. So being transparent is, is key, but then at the same time, do you notice really like then this willingness to act as as uh, by those companies to, to improve their score or, or is it sometimes also a little bit to feed the, the, the greenwashing machine as we call it? I think this is really shifting dramatically now. Um, so I think, I mean, I mean, obviously, there are still some brands and producers out there that just kind of, you know, um, only do the minimum and just wait for, you know, regulators to take actions. But they're really getting um, fewer and fewer. So what we really see is that uh, increasingly the industry is taking the topic very serious because, again, um, they are getting a lot of pressure from their investors to not just greenwash, but to really take serious actions they are getting pressure from their employees. They will simply not be able to attract highly talented employees anymore if they just, you know, continue with uh, greenwashing instead of really becoming part of the solution. And obviously consumers are also putting pressure on them. So 
yes, there are still companies who are not taking it serious yet, but um, the tides are shifting quickly. And those who, you know, wait until the regulators um, will take action, uh, will lose and will will have a massive, massive uh, problem down the road. And uh, I think most retailers have learned uh, and most food beverage brands have learned that it's really a good idea to try to be ahead of regulation and not just wait and follow uh, until the regulators um, making up their minds. And uh, that's a development that we are really seeing in the space at the moment. So, so yeah, if I understand your, your message, I mean, as a, as a retailer, as a brand, what you have to do now today is being proactive. Mm. And even if the situation of, I mean, your own situation looks negative when it comes mm. to your uh, impact, uh, mm. it's better to be transparent and open about it and, and willing to do something about it than just wait for the regulator to come in yeah. and tell but, you, hey, do something. Yeah, but actually you don't have to, you don't have to do all those four steps at the same time. You can just start with assessing your products, then take action um, and improve things and then go into the communication. I mean, it's like, it really depends on, on, on what makes the most sense for the customer, but what food and beverage brands and grocery re retailers really need to do now, do now is they need to understand where are they standing with their assortment in terms of, you know, like uh, climate, in terms of, um, animal welfare, biodiversity, social uh, uh, health, and so on. And they need to start to making uh, progress and improving. Because what we see also from what retailers are, start, are going to start to do now is um, they are going to uh, every year kick out a certain percentage of products where more sustainable alternatives are available in the market. So not only just Obviously. looking at you know, what's the margin contribution of the product and what's how does the stickiness look like at consumers, but hey, if you know I have the choice, I'll go for a more sustainable one. Or for example, uh, starting to assess the impact of products on their own targets, yeah, so SPTI, uh, climate targets, and so on, before they list products. Or then obviously, um, our retail customers are going to start to recommend more sustainable alternatives from within their assortment. So proactively inform consumers that the product they're looking at at the moment is not you know, the most sustainable one uh, on the shelf and recommend those alternatives or also substitutes um, that are simply a better better choice uh, due to, you know, from a sustainability or a nutrition point of view. So also, I think we really um, shouldn't underestimate um, the seriousness of you know how serious retailers are taking it. Some retailers have committed, for example, to reduce their scope three emissions, so the emissions that primarily come from their own products, by fifty percent until twenty thirty. Uh, so this is basically only you know uh, seven years left uh, for them to get there, um, and they can only achieve those goals by really also um, optimizing their own white label brands by starting to really engage and also put some pressure onto third-party brands as well as really engaging with their consumers and helping them on their journey towards a more sustainable and healthy nutrition. 
Okay, but then because we we mentioned the consumer and and that's that's the scope that the retailer doesn't always uh, control or at least mm-hmm. they try to 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 nudge them in the right direction with mm-hmm. with the assessment and the the all the work that you guys do. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the current situation, do you? I mean, you, I guess you're aware that there's a a certain uh, inflation crisis. There's uh, pressure everywhere, mm-hmm. so pricing is a very important mm-hmm. uh, uh, element in the decision process of the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at it now, uh, do you think that all your work can uh, really help these consumers to make different decisions? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that yeah, they will still be too influenced by the pricing uh, in the first hand? Um, at the moment, we are seeing both, or retail, our retail customers are seeing both. So first of all, they're seeing that, um, you know, consumers took a journey. They basically entered the elevator and, you know, went up to a certain floor in terms of their sustainability uh, values, right? And um, what they're seeing is that most consumers really don't want to, you know, move down there and move, go back to the third floor or second floor or even the ground floor, but they want to really adhere to their values, which they have developed over time. Obviously, there is down trading happening now. So consumers are moving away their euros from third party, sustainable third party brands to, towards more sust- you know, sustainable white label brands, as well as going to discounters. There are obviously some consumers who are, you know, massively under pressure and who can can't afford to, you know, live up to their values anymore so who yeah. really need to step back um but overall um i think the shift that that, that is being seen uh, is is way less dramatic what you would, would have expected up front i also uh, was pretty worried about you know um things moving massively into the wrong direction again with um the current cost of living crisis but um, we don't see that happening at that at that extent, and we see this journey that consumers are making towards more sustainability to continue. And uh, for that, there is very clear evidence that um, simple, uh, you know, labeling alone is already, if well done, um, definitely having a, an impact on consumer choices. And it's really, I mean, consumers are facing concerns and saying like, hey, if a product is rated red on climate i would feel ashamed if i'm seen with that product at at, at the cash uh, you know at the cashier so yeah. it's, it's it's really some consumers really have very strong fear i mean that's probably exception but there are some consumers who have very strong feelings about that um and who really want to move the needle into the right direction be part of the solution what we see is that there is a large group of consumers who already is taking action today there is an even larger group of consumers who feels overwhelmed who wants to you know, take action, but who lacks the information. And by combining, you know, um, data on the one hand, but even more important, leveraging those, you know, content, gamification, nudging, those engagement capabilities, um, you can really massively move the needle. And that's really necessary because let's face it, if we as consumers continue to consume the massive amount of meat that we consume today, if we uh, you know, don't change our consumption patterns here. It will be impossible uh, for retailers, for food and beverage brands, as well as for us as a society to really reach our environmental goals. And um, therefore, this this part, the consumer behavioral change part, is so critical. Uh, and con- retailers have to start early and need to basically 
yeah, learn, learn and make progress on that end because that's going to be a long journey, um, which you can't, you know, you can't change that, that behavior of your consumers from one day to the other. That's why it's even more important to start early and to start now. All right. So it's slowing down, but, but it's still going in the right direction. And that's in a way quite a, a good news in, in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, before we end, I, I still have one last question uh, about Inoko, your, your company. What's next for you guys in the future? I mean, are you, you're still helping, I guess, brands and, and manufacturers and, and retailers to, to make assessments. But concretely, what's next for you in the coming months? Yeah, in the coming months, we are super busy with uh, bringing brands, bringing <clears throat> grocery retailers live um, with with our solution, really expanding across Europe. So um, we are currently seeing uh, you know a lot of interest from different uh, countries. We see that the grocery retailers are going to take the lead here, um, okay. introducing the product for their own private label brand initially. And the second step also for third-party brands based on our estimates um, and also really, you know, um, that obviously um, is, is great news for us because uh, it creates very high incentives also for the brands to use our technology to ultimately understand how are the retailers going to assess my products and, you know, what's the risk that I'm going to be kicked out because there are more sustainable uh, options maybe available in the market. Um, yeah, but we have a lot of um, work ahead of us here in terms of implementing customers. We are also having a lot of work ahead of us in terms of um, improving our own methodologies. So, uh, you know, we are already very robust on, on, on climate, on animal welfare, but there are certainly other methodologies um, where over the next couple of years, uh, there is still lots of potential to improve and to get better. Um, and um, yeah, we we really see the opportunity to have a huge impact here, not only for our retail customers from a uh, financial point of view, because um, the big opportunities that retailers have by moving really into this direction is that they can actually shift revenue away from less sustainable third-party brands towards more sustainable white-label brands, because what we see is that Usually the retailers are very strong, have a very strong footprint in the organic space, in the vegan space with their own private label brands. So what they're doing by introducing our solution is basically just, um, you know, informing consumers about the implications of their choices, which automatically wants them buy more of these, you know, vegan, organic, regenerative produced products which leads to a shift to revenue, a revenue shift towards their own private label brand uh, products. So there is a big uh, push from that perspective because those products are obviously more margin rich. It's as well um, a big benefit from the perspective of attracting um, eco-conscious consumers. There's this quickly growing target audience of more and more, you know, sustainability conscious consumers who you can really attract and address with that message and with that information and with those capabilities in which allows retailers to increase their share of wallet. Uh, And the same holds true to a certain extent for third-party brands. So also they um, have, you know, lots of financial benefits by understanding how are they doing, by being early in terms of optimizing their products, by being able to communicate their sustainability benefits to consumers and just being ahead of the curve and yeah, benefiting from that. And we have, yeah, lots and lots and lots of work ahead of us here with regards to this topic. And I'm very excited that we can really help uh, the food and beverage industry to um, 
transition towards a more sustainable production and, and consumption patterns because this is really what we need now and um uh yeah uh, also really yeah very much looking forward to to the next couple of quarters and everything we have planned here okay and and just very quickly then uh which countries are you already active in um we are at the moment very much focusing on europe um so this is where we see where we see the most most interest and uh, in terms of the territories it's very much about the nordics about the dach region uk increasingly also france so um yeah it's going to get very interesting in those countries okay so all the listeners who heard the who didn't hear the name of your of their country in the list that you just mentioned <laughs> should actually contact you uh we we could really talk about uh, uh product assessment and, and improvement of the, the 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 climate impact of, of retail uh all day but we have to actually conclude now uh marcus thank you very much for your participation and your your openness uh on on this uh, topic and i really uh, wish to talk to you uh, soon or to hear back again on how the expansion is going thank you very much thank you very much vincent it's been a great pleasure talking to you and uh, yeah thanks for having me that's all for this episode don't forget to check out wednesdayretail.com for more retail stories do not hesitate to send us an email if you have any questions or comment until then enjoy the rest of your week and thank you for listening